Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is October 21st. Dave Gasper here with co-host Matt Carroll. We are the editors of ReviewingTheBrew.com. Here to discuss all things Milwaukee Brewers. In this episode, we'll talk about recent arbitration projections, uh, Rule 5 draft protections, uh, possible contract extensions Bruce could look at uh, this offseason, and a whole lot more. Uh, joining us uh, it, for this episode is Brewers Live host and co-host of The Crossover on 97.3 The Game, Dario Melendez. Dario, thanks for joining us, man. No, no problem, guys. This is going to be fun. I need some baseball in my life. <laughs> so do we. It, ju- it just didn't feel like enough baseball this year. I mean, 60 games for the regular season, then the playoffs was just it was just two games and then out for the Brewers. And now we're at the World Series already. Um, and game one was last night and the Dodgers, I mean, the Dodgers seem to be in control and, you know, I thought this was going to be a, a really good series, but it, you know, it almost looks like the Dodgers just kind of have it in hand as well. Uh, I mean, look, it, it is just one game, but you look at what Mookie Betts brings to a team. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like the pressure he can put on the base paths, what he does defensively. I mean, that play where he scored on the fielder's choice, that was a hell of a throw by the first baseman, and he still beat at home. Like, Mookie Betts is just ridiculous. And that's what the Brewers have in Christian Yelich. I mean, obviously, we didn't see it this year, but I feel like a lot of sluggers around Major League Baseball struggled with this weird, abbreviated 60-game season. But, I mean, the Brewers have a Mookie Betts-type player in Yelich, and that's why they're always going to be in contention. Yeah, I unfortunately did not get to catch that game. I did catch a little bit on the radio driving home last night, and it was when uh, the Dodgers went on a barrage to open up that lead when they went home run double-double, and it just <laughs> just sounded like it was out of control at that point. Um, Rays need to – they were mentioning on the radio that for the Rays to stay competitive, they're going to need to keep those scores close. They're not the type of team that's going to win a you know 7-6, to 9-8, whatever shootout. So if it ends up, if the Dodgers offense keeps going off like they did last night, it's that series isn't going to last long. Well, look, and the Rays are very much like a team like the Brewers where you have to be wise with the money you spend. And if you want to see what you can get for assets, I mean, just look what the Rays got for Chris Archer. I mean, now, first off, you'd have to find a team dumb enough like the Pirates were. (laughs) But, I mean, you get Glassdown and Meadows for a guy like Archer. You make some good moves, bring in Renfro, trading for G-Man Choi from the Brewers, bringing in Brett Phillips. Uh, Their big free agent acquisition a few years ago was Morton. So, I mean, and then obviously you acquire Zanino as well. I mean, they were a team that, you don't want to say bargain shop, but they had a budget. They're stuck to their budget. But by trading one piece, they made themselves postseason World Series contenders. So if you're a Brewers fan, you look at that team like, eh, we might not be too far off. Just look at the Rays. Yeah, and one thing that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks on, on the podcast and on the site about how the Brewers could get there is possibly trading Josh Hader. I mean, that, that's something that, that we've discussed. And, you know, Haters would bring back a very strong return. He's got multiple years of control left. He's He's been... Uh, one of the top relievers in baseball since he came up. And if they're able to move him, the Brewers will be able to get a haul. They'd probably probably be able to get at least one bat to help out the lineup. Um, probably, you know, a, a couple of prospects as well. Uh, Dario, do, do you think Josh Hader, 
either is going to be traded or, or should be traded? Or, or what do you think that's going to look like with Hayter this offseason? I mean, that it's a it's such a tough question because do you want to trade Josh Hader? Absolutely not. You don't. Right. Uh, you look at the free agents this offseason. The biggest name is probably JT Riamuto. Um Probably too expensive for the Brewers to get, especially if you look at what Yasmani Grandal got at age 30, right. 34. The next big name, Marcelo Zuna. Do you need another outfielder? Is he strictly going to be a DH? So you're going to have to acquire bats somehow, and, the, and probably the best way to do it is via trade. So do I think the Brewers will trade Hater? I would say 70% yes, just because of the control you mentioned. And when he's reaching arbitration, we got to remember it's not just like normal arbitration. It's right. kind of like we talk about with Young for duper arbitration because all the escalators he's hit. So I believe what it's a four million dollar arbitration. So number, like around so, that. So, yeah, so he was at four million uh, for 2020, and then the projections for next year have him anywhere between four and a half million and six point eight million. Yeah, and that, and like no, that's that's a lot for a guy making arbitration in the second year. Um, I think he does get traded, unfortunately. Uh, I'd hate to see it because he's one of my favorite guys I get to cover in the locker room. He's always accountable. He's always there. And he's really damn good. Uh, the one team, and I think this is more of a pipe dream on my part, but I feel like it'd be a good fit. I would love to see them try to work out a deal for Arenado. Maybe you send Ooh. a guy like Hader and Peralta and get and get Arenado. Maybe just forget the prospects and just go after a guy like that. Because that first off, that sure is up third base. Uh, it sures up either two or three in your batting order. And Arenado's already kind of made it clear that he's not overly happy in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Colorado needs pitchers that can keep the ball in the ballpark and keep it down. And we saw Hayter this year improve on those home run numbers a lot. Now, again, this might be a pop dream, this pipe dream, I should say. It might be uh, me playing armchair GM, but I mean, it makes sense. Look, Peralta has a lot of control at a cheap value. Um, Hater has a lot of control right now at a cheap value, and they're trying to unload Arenado. So, could be what could be something. Yeah, I mean, he he comes with a hefty price tag, that's, yeah, that's for sure. But yeah. you know, I I did a piece uh, earlier this week about you know the potential of the Brewers not shopping for a starter. They've got some arms in there where theoretically they could um, get by with what they have and fill out a rotation. And looking at kind of what strategy they used in free agency last offseason, I don't think it would be that far-fetched for them to do that. So if they they don't add a lot of money there, they've already got a deep bullpen and a cheap bullpen, cheaper if you end up dealing Josh Hader. I mean, if they open up the pocketbooks a little bit more, I don't think it would be impossible to do. You're probably not adding much outside of that, but I mean, would you have to when you've got a core of Kane, Hira, Yelich, and Arenado? Well, especially if you can bring Jericho back to play first base. We saw how good he mm-hmm. was. I mean, if you can play, bring Jericho back to play first base and hope that you get Narvaez that you expected to get. Because that's going to – look, you'll get Manny Pena back. You know what he's going to do. Probably 10 home runs. Solid catcher. will come up with hits every now and then. But if you had Arenado, we saw how good Jericho could be at first base. You get Kane back, which means you can let um, Garcia just play right field and be a little bit more relaxed. You have Yelich back. Maybe Braun comes back in DHs. Uh, I mean, that would be a hell of an order just by adding Arenado himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, I mean, part of the issue is going to be that that tight budget because, you know, with just kind of the arbitration raises they're going to have to give to to Woodruff, to Arcia, 
Um, you know, even if they get rid of Hader, you know, the the guy with the guys that with the money that they're going to make, the Brewers are really going to be pretty tight on on that payroll. I mean, it, it's going to be tighter coming off of this year where they had no fans and very little income. Um, so David, I think David Stearns even said that it's going to be tighter from twenty from twenty twenty. And if they're coming out from that $97 million mark that they were projected to be at, you know, that they're very quickly running out of room with, with the payroll numbers that they're going to have to pay out to the players already on their roster. And I know fans hate hearing that, right? Like, yeah. Mark Antonio has millions of dollars. You hate hearing that, right? But this is the reality of baseball. Like, these are owners. They love their team. They want to win. But they're still businessmen. And you don't become a businessman by losing money. I know it's a right. crappy thing to think about. Because a lot of these fans spend a lot of really good money to go to these baseball games that keep getting more and more expensive. But he has a budget. He has to stick with it. And that's, I mean, what what pretty much every Major League Baseball team does outside of the Dodgers, the Yankees, and now the Cubs. And that's because those three teams have their own TV networks. Like, you have another revenue stream. Milwaukee isn't big enough. Well, the rest of the league isn't big enough to have their own revenue stream like that. Only those three teams. So, I totally agree. It's going to be tight, but we have seen nothing over the past five years to make you think David Stearns can't put a team on this field that's going to compete. And all you have to do is get there. I mean, were the Washington Nationals the best team last year? Absolutely not. Were the Astros the best team this year? Absolutely not. And they made it to the ALCS. All you got to do is compete, be around first place. I don't know, two, three games around first place of the All-Star break, be in contention in September, make a run, which we've seen the Brewers do the past three years, four years, really, and see what happens when you get to postseason. Yeah, don't forget, the Astros had the same record as the Brewers this season. So you can say, (laughs) yeah, you can say what you will about the talent level on the two different teams, but all they had to do was get there, and they went on a run, and they got dang close. I'll I'll take the Brewers pitching over the Astros pitching all day, every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, the Brewers pitching this year, it's funny to, to even think about that. I mean, if you have Corbin Burns and Devin Williams in the uh wild card round it's a different series like i oh, understand yeah. the dodgers are a good team but the brewers pitching staff went head to head with that team the dodgers look like they had their hands full it's just the brewers bats because of opt-outs and slow starts and some injuries i mean losing ryan braun hurts but i mean the brewers pitching this year was just outstanding yeah and that's always been the toughest part for this team i mean you, you look at 2018 they had Yulise Chassin and Wade Miley as their top two guys in the NLCS. Like, for for the past however many decades almost, the Brewers have had an impossible time developing pitching. They've always been able to come up with some some decent or good hitters, but getting that pitching has been tough for them. But now they have, like, two top guys in Woodruff and Burns in that rotation, um, and, and they got a really good bullpen back there. Like, the, the pitching is there. And good hitters are easier to find than good pitchers. So, And if you can find some consistency out of Hauser, I mean, Adrian Hauser might have the best stuff of all, all, three, all three of the guys we were talking about with Burns and Woodruff. It's just for some reason, as the season goes on, he lets that two-seam sinker stay up a little bit more, and that's where he gets in trouble. Like, look, Brett, Brett Anderson was great last year. Outside of two starts where – Christian Yelich loses the ball in in the sun-beamed right field uh, window panel, and Keston Hira throwing the ball all the way around. Brett Anderson might have been your most consistent pitcher last year. Uh, Josh Lindblom, yeah. after he figured out 
you're not going to get Major League Baseball players that chase things out of the zone. He got a little bit more aggressive. I mean, Lindblom looked pretty good. Obviously, he got beat up, what was it, the second time through against the Reds. But a pitcher like him, back-to-back starts against a team that's seen him once is going to be difficult uh, because he's kind of a junk ball. I'm just going to try to make you miss all the time and chase out of the zone pitcher. But, I mean, this Brewers bullpen, would it be, I mean, this Brewers staff, would it be awesome to add a guy like Bauer? Without a doubt. But right now, I think we all saw last year, you really need to invest in offense. And I think it all goes back down to uh, making a trade. Yeah, keep in mind, too, um, you had the reduced time in spring training. You had that kind of real quick startup again. And a new catcher in Omar Narvaez who had to learn an entirely new pitching staff. And let's be honest, actually did decently. I was was just going to say that. Yeah. Like, he looked great. Like, people forget the Brewers have some of the best um, catching instructional coaches in all of Major League Baseball. Like, they have some of the best, like, world-renowned. I'm going to over-exaggerate, but, like, they have some of the best guys in shaping young catchers. Look at Manny Pena. Manny Pena has become one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Elmer Navajas look pretty good. Uh, now, if he could just get his swing, he'll be the entire the entire package. Yeah, yeah. same thing with Nottingham, really. I mean, Nottingham yeah. is a guy, he came over as a bat-first catcher. His defense was really uh, the, the tough part of his resume. And then now, over the past couple of years, his defense has become his strong suit and really kind of the only reason he's in the big leagues. And his bat for whatever reason, ha- has gone away. I'm not sure what's up with that, but... It's, I mean, he swings for the fences every time, and I know that's, like, the new thing in baseball, unload, mm-hmm. but, I mean, you just take an 80% hack. I mean, I think Jacob Nottingham, that's why Vogelback was so impressive. Holy cow, for a dude that couldn't hit the broads out of the barn in the first two teams, his <laughs> approach was just unbelievable. I, I don't know how that dude was ever on, or in a slump, I should say. Like, he took everything, he took things the opposite way, just put bat on ball, and when he wanted to swing for power, if he got it, he unleashed. I mean, just sometimes, uh, not a half swing, but a 60, 75% swing, let the the bat and the ball do the work. That's all you got to do. Yeah, he was about one of the only guys who could kind of just take the ball to the field that it needed Mm -hmm. to go outside of, I'd say, Yelich when he was on, Braun when he was on, and Urias early in the season was doing that. But... Otherwise, everyone else was just either trying to swing for the fences or kind of just fight through whatever jitters they were going through. Yeah. Yeah, and Vogelbach, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, he's now going to be arbitration eligible as a Super 2. I I think he's projected between like 1.5 and 2 million. Um, But, I mean, the Brewers got rid of Smoke because he was slumping, and they brought in Vogelbach, even though he was slumping at the time. But Vogelbach's got like four years of team control remaining. And, I mean, the Brewers have had constant turnover at the first base position ever since Prince Fielder left in free agency in 2011. And, you know, you almost look at it. I mean, I know it's a very small sample size for Vogelbach, but if he can somehow continue hitting like a 300-type hitter and go to the opposite field and everything, you know, he there's a chance that he could be the starter at first base um, for the next couple of years if the DH doesn't um, come back to the NL at least right away. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's it's the DH because if the DH comes back, Braun and Vogelback are your DH guys, you would think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like first base is a hole for a lot of teams. I mean, I I still shake my fist at the Diamondbacks for letting Paul Goldschmidt go to the Cardinals because um, <laughs> it just shows how valuable a good first baseman is. But Vogelback showed he can play the infield. Um, it's always an adventure watching him try to chase things down. 
but with all the shifting and moving and positioning, you can cover up any type of deficiency. My biggest worry would be having Keston and Vogelback on the same side of the field at the same time. Arcia, Arcia is really damn good, but that's that's a lot to try to cover up. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to picture that uh, Hira trying to throw a jump ball to Vogelbach and him. I, I'm hearing some Benny Hill music going on in the ground. background. It, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just no, get it, the circus music going. It, I think you have to consider bringing him back. That's not that hefty of a price tag for him, and um, e- even if he didn't end up working out, I mean, you could move on from that mid-season next year and really not have that much buyer's remorse but I, I to me i i think you bring him back and give him a shot whether they have the dh or not for sure totally agree yeah so i mean the brewers are going to have um a whole bunch of arbitration decisions to make this offseason and i mean Volgebach's just one of them i think there are 11 total if you include ben gamble who has a contract option uh, he's got a club option for next year but if they decline it he's still arbitration eligible but, I mean, some of the big cases, Brandon Woodruff, I mean, he, he's an obvious tender, but, you know, he's projected anywhere between $2.3 and $4.5 million for next year, um, which is still well below what he's actually worth. Um, but we talked about this on, on Reviewing Drew on the site uh, earlier this week about possibly maybe extending Brandon Woodruff, give him a, a, a kind of contract extension so that way the Brewers get some kind of cost certainty over Woodruff's next couple of years. And, and one comparison I made was the Blake Snell deal um, back in spring 2019. Snell was coming off a Cy Young year, although Woodruff's year this year was not that good, but he was coming off a Cy Young year, had four years of team control remaining, was about to get super expensive, and they signed him to a five-year, $50 million contract um, that, was, that was backloaded. So... You know, it just kind of progressively went up for him. And, you know, I think that may be something that the Brewers should look at with Woodruff this year with him going into his first year of arbitration. I mean, it's a great idea. They did it last year with Freddie Peralta. I mean, they gave Peralta a nice little bite of the apple. Uh, The issue is if Woodruff wants to bet on himself. Right. Which he might want to. And look, he's deserved that opportunity to bet on himself. Doug Melvin used to always say when it came to negotiations, here, your first contract, your first extension, you take a small bite of the apple, you take a little bit less. The next big contract, you get the entire apple. That's kind of what Ryan Braun did. And that's, I'm guessing, what Freddie Peralta is doing and the, probably the path they're going to try to take with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns when he comes up on it. But nowadays, you see it in the NFL, you see it in the NBA. That's why MLBPA was so mad at Christian Yelich. The PA wants to push these guys to take the most money possible so that the next guy gets even more money. That's the entire MLBPA's platform. So if Woodruff is getting any pressure to hold out, it's going to be hard to do that, but he also has to perform. Like we, we see last year, we saw a little bit this year, there are some lulls, like midseason lulls in this game. And if you're going to be the ace making ace-like money, every outing has to be a Max Scherzer outing. Every outing needs to be a Clayton Kershaw outing where right. you're just mowing down guys 24-7. You can't have a four-game hiatus where you can't get out of the fifth inning. Like That's not something you can do. So do I think that would work? I mean, would I, do I think he'd take it? Every, look, I got to, I've gotten to know Brendan Woodruff pretty well. He's a good dude. He likes this organization because they gave him a chance. 
I could see him taking that money and then his next contract take a bigger one. Um, but it's that, that's the whole thing. You just have to hope he doesn't bet on himself. Right. Yeah, but if they do end up getting him to go for it, Stearns has shown that in some of these contracts lately that he is good at backloading those contracts. You look yep. at Yelich's, and it, they were able to actually get that to delay a couple of years before it really starts to um, escalate, and then it goes up and up and then even has some deferred money. Um, and then Freddie Peralta's contract, um, pulling it up right now, it starts off, uh, it, he's making a million in base salary next year, and it goes all the way up to uh, $8 million towards the end of the contract. So um, if they can set that up the same way, and then as obviously things economically recover you've got potentially bigger payrolls down the road and you know hopefully they're able to kind of support that a little bit more um if that's the type of contract we're looking at woodruff for woodruff as well then let's get it done but like you said it all kind of comes down to whether or not he is interested in that all right so i want to get to um the the rule five um protections that, that need to be made then so you, you look at this roster um Brett Anderson's going to be a free agent. Ryan Braun's going to have his his option declined. I'm assuming Eric Sogard is going to have his option declined. So that's three open spots on the 40-man. Lorenzo Cain uh, is going to get put back in after he returns from his opt-out. So you have two open spots, and the Brewers have seven top 30 prospects that are eligible for the Rule 5. Mario Feliciano, Zach Brown, Trey Shupak, Peyton Henry, Alec Bettinger, Dylan File, and Lucas Ersig. So of those guys, Dario, which two do you think the, the Brewers should prioritize putting on their 40-man? Uh, I I love Zach Brown. Um, Zach Brown and Subak are probably the two guys that I would go for. Uh, I mean, Brown, what he's shown in spring training, what he's shown at AA, he has – all the capabilities to be like the next Drew Rasmussen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Drew Rasmussen kind of came out of nowhere, has struggled a little bit. Same with Topa. I mean, Topa was begging for a job two years ago, and they showed enough at the lower levels to impress David Stearns and even Craig Council to get them up as, as soon as possible. I think Zach Brown could be something really, really special. So uh, if, if I had to talk about the Rule 5 guys, I mean, I think Zach Brown's like number one priority. For me, the one for Sherlock I have is Mario Feliciano. Um, That guy, that dude can hit. He was Carolina League MVP in 2019. He got to play in Biloxi at the end of the year and actually settled in and looked decent there as well. Um, He was raking again at the alternate site, it sounds like. Um, That guy, I see that guy as a potential catcher of the future. And so I've got him as one. And I think I would actually agree with you on Zach Brown. Um, in the piece that uh, Will Salmon actually did on The Athletic with Flanagan, they talked about Zach Brown being um, probably the most consistent pitcher that they had at the alternate site. So that was a guy who, you know, he was pitcher of the year, and then he took that step back at AAA. Um, was it the juice ball? Who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, too, he has a lot of that potential there. And he could go really either way. Um, I think he's being groomed more for relief than starting right now. But um, I think this time he does get added. I, I don't think there's any guarantees on anyone else, really, on that list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
Trey Shupak was a guy that they added to the roster previously. Then they designated him for assignment um, during the season. Um, so he's eligible for the Rule 5. I'm not sure if the Brewers would really consider putting him back on or if they're going to um, risk letting him go. Um, but, yeah, and then you have guys like, you know, Lucas Ersig. He hasn't hit as soon as he got to double A. Um, so I'm really kind of fine with letting him be eligible. I don't think anyone's going to take him. And then a guy like Peyton Henry, he's probably still a year or two away. I don't think anyone's going to take him to be on a big league roster for the whole season. So, yeah, th- those are those are really kind of the two big guys, Feliciano and Brown, that, that I would protect. Yeah, you know, because I, I, I think they were excited that Supac cleared waivers, and, and David Stern even talked about it. Like, he's a guy that really did not benefit from having a minor league season. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll probably step back and – Feliciano, you guys are right. I mean, he's he's a stud. So I'd probably go Feliciano and Brown. I do like Supak though, man. I just I would hate to see him go. I'd like to see what would happen if he had an entire minor league season. Another one, I should say. But yeah, Feliciano. I mean, you, you see how important the catcher position is. Um, yeah, those two guys would be would be probably the guys you want to protect as much as possible. Yeah, and if Omar Narvaez for whatever reason like continues to struggle next year then you have basically um, Feliciano then to take over as catcher of the future starting in, in 2022. Yeah. All right. So, Dario, it looks like you got you to gotta go for, for bedtime there. It, it is bedtime here. My wife's doing a great <laughs> job, but I got to go help her out if I want to not sleep on the couch tonight. All right. All right. Fair enough. We'll let you do that. Um, we'll continue on. Dario, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Anytime, guys. See ya. Thanks, sorry. All right, thank you. All right, Matt. So Feliciano and Brown are, are kind of the two big guys that, that we're looking at to protect. Um, Shupak possibly as well, but they're going to have to open up some other spots. And the non-tender deadline is December 2nd, but the deadline for putting guys on the 40-man roster to protect them from the Rule 5 is November 20th. So they got they got time in between those two dates. So I don't know if they're going to non-tender some other guys early, not non-tender them by the 20th to open up some spots. Um, but, I mean, you have guys like Alec Bettinger and, and Dylan File, who I know we like them a, as prospects when, when we've um, seen them pitch. But, you know, they, they got, they're going to have to make some room on the roster to, to put them on. And I'm not sure, you know, where else they can clear some room. Right. I think a little bit of it depends on who's kept um, or who they want to keep uh, to keep protect them from the rule five. Sorry. Um, so if it is, for example, a player like Feliciano, you've already got four catchers on the roster. So that may end up being an easy choice of if you want to keep Feliciano, then you actually DFA a player like Freitas, who's low man on the totem pole right. uh, in terms of catching. It's it's really tough when you look at that list of pitchers on the 40-man right now. If you do want to keep um, a Dylan File or an Alec Bettinger, you look down the list, and every pitcher outside of, again, you know, if Brett Anderson doesn't come back, um, that opens up a spot. Um, every pitcher that's on that list is someone that either got some work in this season and has some potential or is someone who like maybe hasn't gotten a shot yet. Like, you know, Bobby wall who really 
didn't get a lot of time this year before going out injured. Angel Perdomo, who, you know, only got those couple little flashes. Uh, Phil Bickford, maybe I could see as a potential, like, hey, we gave him a shot. It was a long shot anyway. Maybe we open up a spot there. But uh, Phil Bickford in his only appearance hit the first two guys he faced. Yes, he did. Oh, and I had a lot of hope for him because he had that crazy scoreless streak to end last season. But uh, he looked rough um it, it yeah, could have just been nerves you know I'm, I'm hoping been. it was just nerves because it was his major league debut right and but. look at i mean that was the tiger series with justin topa as well wasn't it yeah and yeah Topa's first outing was a little shaky and then he was lights out the entire rest of the season so yeah. you know obviously things can turn around but that's tough so it's balancing you know is there anyone on that 40 man who you know potentially you want to get rid of in favor of those two, but then also balancing that with, is another team going to take either of those two in the first place? And like you said, they've got to go on the 26-man roster. Is Alec Bettinger, Dylan File ready to be added to a 26-man roster? For the whole season? Right. Yeah. I, I, I would lean towards no. I think they both got potential, but I don't know that they're necessarily ready for that. I think both of them need at least a little bit more seasoning probably at AAA before, you know, bringing them all the rest of the way up. So, you know, there's always that uh, risk when it comes to Rule 5 that kind of makes it actually a little bit fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Brewers, like, they let Zach Brown go last time, and and he didn't get picked. Um, But he was coming off a bad year, and, you know, this this year things are a little bit different with with how the the minor leagues – quote, quote, Aaron, quote, <laughs> went. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- those are two guys where, I mean, you you look at how the Brewers, I mean, they DFA'd Supak, Shupak, you got to pronounce it correctly, Shupak, mm-hmm. yep. um, earlier this year. Like, they viewed him as the low man on on the 40-man roster. That, that That's why they ended up DFA'ing him. Um, so the, I think they feel really good about their current group of, of pitchers. Um, so they may have to either non-tender some guys earlier than the deadline, uh, or, you know, something to, to really kind of clear this room. Otherwise they're just going to have to let Bettinger and Files stay off the roster and just kind of hope that, that no one picks him up. Um, so I also want to get to the, like the arbitration projections there, um, that, that just came out this past week. And we talked last time with Doug Russell, friend of the podcast, um, about Corey Knebel, um, who's got about, you know, $5.125 million price tag, most likely. Um, and, you know, will, will the Brewers tender or non-tender him at that price tag, or, or what are they going to do? Because that's, you know, a lot of money for a guy who, you know, didn't really pitch that much in, in 2020, didn't really pitch that well. And I mean, if the DFA him, I mean, they, they could, that could clear a 40 man roster or non-tender him that could clear a 40 man roster spot. Um, but I feel like even if they do non-tender him, the Brewers are going to want to have Knable back at, at, at a lower price tag, perhaps. Yeah. The question with that is how many other teams are going to go in and try and grab True. a guy who, yeah. you know, was an all-star led the NL and saves one year uh, or led the Brewers and saves. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> It, 
yeah, he's. I'm sure he would have plenty of suitors. So as nice as it would be, it's not going to be as easy as when we non-tendered Alex Claudio last season when, and right. were able to snatch him back up. That was had high, much higher odds of happening. Corey Knable, um, there's going to be guys out there that want him. So it's as nice as that would be um, to guarantee you have him. Obviously, you have to go um, to figure out arbitration, tender the contract. So. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Again, bullpen being a position of depth, but when you're talking potentially trading Hader and potentially non-tendering Corey Knable and potentially non-tendering Alex Claudio, well, now all of a sudden your depth is starting to decrease a little bit. So um, there's a lot of factors to go into that one, and that's that's a tough one really to peg. I would love if we could non-tender and bring him back cheaper, but th- there's going to be sharks in the water if that happens. Yeah, th- there's a lot of risk with that. And I mean, the Brewers did that um, before with uh, Jimmy Nelson because, I mean, he was coming off the injury and his price tag was going to be at three point seven million. Um, you know, he's going to he's going to come back another year, most likely healthy. Um, the Brewers non tendered him at the three point seven million dollar price tag and he ended up. Um, signing a deal with with the Dodgers, ended up getting hurt with the Dodgers, um, and, and he missed all of the season, having another surgery. Um, so, I mean, I, I could really kind of see the Brewers doing something similar uh, with Knable uh, at that price tag. I, I think I remember last week when we did the tender or non-tender game with uh, with Doug, I, I said that they were going to keep Knable. Um I, I still I still kind of think they will because I think they're going to trade Hader and that that'll clear up some payroll space. Um, but yeah, when when it gets to you know that the forty man spots, if if they feel that Bettinger and File or or Shupak or, or Henry um, are really worth keeping and they need to get some they need to clear some spots, Canable may may be the guy that that has to get axed. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um... And this probably is really the area where you do um, free up those 40-man spots for potential Rule 5 pitchers is through the arbitration-eligible players, not necessarily just looking up and down the roster. Um, it all depends, too, though, if, if Hader does get traded, yes, but what comes back for Hader is, it, are we replacing his salary for salary with a you know a hitter that we end up needing, in which case you yeah. didn't really free look, up look, the payroll? Like, like, like Dario brought up, you know, possibly getting back Arenado, yeah. you know, like, like that's a lot of payroll coming back. I'm not sure how much like they would need the, the, the Rockies to eat on that deal in order for that to happen. But I don't think there's any way the Brewers can take on 100% of that contract while also having uh, Christian Yelich for the next several years. I mean, his contract was upwards of $30 million, wasn't it? I, I think it's, it's been a while it might be like back. 28 or 28 or something million a year. Oh, I mean, only. Yeah, only. You know, <laughs> and, and Christian Yelich is at 26. Um, so yeah, that's. I don't know. I, I I think that there are a lot of teams that have a ton of interest in Hater, but it's just a matter of finding the right trade partner getting the right package back for him and having a team willing to part with uh, the, the package necessary. Yeah. And again, what do you want to get back for it? Do you want a major league ready hitter? 
Um, do you want prospects that you can then spin around with some of your existing prospects to a different team for something? You know, that's those are those are the types of things that uh, GMs get paid lots of money to figure out. Yeah. And then we, the armchair GMs, sit here, drink beer and talk about what we think they should do. That is what, correct. What, what do you got for your cold brew over there today? This is actually one I've been wanting to try for a while. So this is Line and Kugel's Drink Wisconsin Blay. I was Ooh, finally nice. able to find it in a six-pack because they'd only been selling it in 12-packs. It is a amber lager, and might I add, it is quite tasty. Ah, nice. I have the always tasty, um, great taste, less filling uh, Miller Lite in my dugout mug over ah. here with the, with the Brewers logo. Yeah, so trying that out. Yeah, I looked it up. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado's salary uh, for the next uh, several years is going to be at $35 million a year mm. um, from 2021 through 2024. Then in 2025, it's down to $32 million, real bargain. Oh. Uh, and then 2026, it's at $27 million. So, yeah, it, that's fun. That's Yeah, that's a tough one. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um Sounds like there could be would have to be maybe some other moving pieces to make that one work. But, uh, I mean, we've made other things work. So <laughs> let's yeah. see. Yeah, we'll definitely get into a lot more of the Josh Hader um, trade projections and possible teams to look at um, as we go as we go on through the offseason um, and kind of more of that stuff uh, takes shape. Um but as we were talking about the uh, the prospects before, like Peyton Henry and, and Feliciano, uh, you had your article up um, today on the tradable prospects that the Brewers might have if they're looking to deal from their farm system to add to the big league roster. Um, and, and you had Peyton Henry among them. Yeah, it, he makes a lot of sense right now. He's uh, Rule 5 eligible, so that kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into things. Um, you might be able to find a taker who's willing to then put him right on the 40-man roster as opposed to someone willing to grab him in Rule 5 and put him onto the 26. Um, so that does throw in that little bit into it. But um, like it, you know, we talked about earlier, Feliciano is ahead of him kind of in the order in terms of catchers down in the minors. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have a number of other catchers that the Brewers have drafted in recent years, um, like, and I hope I don't butcher his name, I'm going to say Nick Kale. Just hope that's right because yep. I haven't looked it yep, up that, yet. That, that's Excellent. right, Nick Nick Kale. All right, Nick Kale. Um, you've got Xavier Warren, who's just drafted this year. Um, you have Dillard, who really saw more work in the minor leagues as a first baseman or outfielder, but was brought into the alternate site to work as a catcher. So you've got a lot of possibilities there. And then add to the fact that uh, both Feliciano and Peyton Henry Henry are right-handed batters. And you know Council loves to work with that uh, lefty-righty platoon at catcher up in the big leagues. So do you really, unless you have potentially Feliciano moving to a DH type situation, which he did do a little bit in the minors. Henry has worked exclusively at catcher. Um, it's, it would make sense now to, while he's got a little bit of um, reputation starting to be built up, the guy is uh, very good defensively and there's a lot of teams that covet that out of their catcher. Um, so you might be able to make a move with him. Yeah. And going back to um, your, your Nick Kale mention, um, I got a little bit of a funny story there. Oh. Um, kind of kind of embarrassing, actually. So 
as as you know, um, and as some of our listeners might know, uh, I was the broadcaster for the lacrosse loggers in the Northwoods League back in 2019, right? So Nick Kale got drafted in 2019 that summer. So he Nick Kale was a former logger. He was there a couple. He was there a couple years prior. Um, I you know never called any games with him there. Um, but you know he he was a former guy, and you know kind of everyone else there around the around the team knew him or, or knew of him, and the fans knew him. And I'm sitting there on the on the radio talking about it, and I just completely butcher his name. I had no idea what, like what to do. I I, I said Nick Collie, like, <laughs> I, and, and I was just and they're just like oh that uh, it's it's Kale. I'm like oh well that's embarrassing. I just said that lie. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no was right. And he did. He hasn't DM'd you since to uh, say no. that I remember that one time. No, no, he has not. So he wasn't there. Um, Nick, Nick Kale was off, you know, wherever. I think he was in like Washington or, or something, just like you know, with his college team. But he, like he wasn't with us that summer. He was. Okay, he was our co- oh yeah, yeah. I, I tried to keep it on as much on the down low as possible, made sure no one told him. But you know, I, I, th- I think we're in the clear. But. We'll have to have him on the podcast one time and, and talk to him about it then. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my interesting story there with uh, with Nick Kale. You yeah. didn't plan on having to bring that one up today, did you? No, I was not planning <laughs> on that. Um, but I'm also super excited about the, the 2021 draft simply because a lot of those guys, like most of those guys that um, were on the team that, that I was with, that summer they're now eligible like they're eligible for the draft now in 2021 so uh, it's gonna be fun to see um, some of those guys get picked and on this podcast and on reviewing the brew as we lead up to the draft next uh, July I will be banging the table for those guys (laughs) you can bet on that one Um, yeah let's get back to um, the the rest of the the tradable prospects you had you had Aaron Ashby uh, on that list as well and Bryce Terang on there, who was a Bruce type prospect heading into the year before Garrett Mitchell was drafted. Um, and I mean, two guys that, you know, if they're, if they got traded, they should be able to bring back something um, fairly decent for the big league team. Yeah. And I do make sure to preface that Bryce Terang part with the fact that I don't think he's getting traded by any means. Right. Um, but Again, like shortstop is an area that the Brewers have created a little bit of depth with, not just in the minor leagues, but with adding Urias to the team and with um, Arcia picking up his uh, offensive slack a little bit last year. So if they wanted to make some big splash trade, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, And then with Aaron Ashby, he was one where just because of the time of when he got added to the 60 man, some people kind of started speculating, well, is he getting added to it to... Uh, potentially make a trade um, because right. at the time before everyone realized there was the player to be named later loophole um, that you had to be on the 60 man to be able to be traded. Um, that didn't end up happening. Um, and teams aren't generally quick to trade their left-handed pitching talent because that's right. something that's tough to um, develop. But the Brewers do have another couple left-handers in their top 10 in Ethan Small and Antoine Kelly. Um, Ashby's a little bit closer to the big leagues than them. So, you know, being a left-hander and being, I mean, he hasn't made his way past, um, the A level, but still faster than the other two, farther than the other two, I should say. And 
you know, that could be something that another team would just love to grab. And so they're possibilities. They're definitely not for sure things, um, but we know Stearns likes to make trades in the offseason. So um, those are some names to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the the left-handed pitching depth. Um, And that's something that the Brewers have not had for years. I wrote like an article like every like every year for like two or three years, like since I got to reviewing the Brewers saying there is no left-handed pitching in this organization. Get some. And it took them forever. But then in the 2019 draft, Mm -hmm. David Stearns finally listened and they just went lefty after lefty after lefty. And I mean, they, they got small, they got Kelly, they got, you know, Nick Bennett, they got like, I think it was seven of their first 17 picks that year were left-handed pitchers. And I'm just like, thank the good Lord, because this is finally happening. I mean, I've been pounding. I put it on the, on the team needs thing ahead of that draft, get more left-handed pitching. And that was their focus. And I'm like, hey, what do you know? They finally did it. And yeah, I am not in favor of of trading any of those left-handed left-handed prospects. Small, Kelly, Ashby. I love all three of those guys. Um and Kelly apparently made some huge gains mm-hmm. at the alternate training site this year according to Tom Flanagan, the farm director. Um so with what with what they were saying, um it's looking like he could end up sticking as a starter down the road. I know when they first drafted him, there was a huge potential that this dude would end up being a reliever because He's got a great fastball, very little command, and not as much in the secondary pitches. Um, but, I mean, with the way they made it sound, it's like his secondary pitches were coming around. His, his command came around really well. So if he's got the three pitches and he's got the better command, he's got the ability to be a really good starter down the line. Yeah, and that's also what could potentially make a person like Ashby up for trade is if with Kelly right. – looking even better and better. And Ethan Small last year when he finally started to hit those low A levels at uh, Wisconsin, he looked great um, when he started pitching for us. So we know what kind of he is able to provide for us. But yeah, again, it's those lefty pitchers. um, Those are rare to have a bunch of them in your system. So the Brewers aren't going to want to get rid of them by any means. Yeah. And I mean, the same goes for, you know, Josh Hader. I mean, Josh Hader is that, you know, lefty, valuable guy. And he's more valuable basically because he's a lefty. Yes. Um, you know, if, if him and Devin Williams were at the same level of success and the same level of, of team control, Hader would still be more valuable simply because he's left-handed. Um, so that that's what really kind of makes the, the look for a trade um, very interesting. I mean, David Stearns has, has had a high price on him. Robert Murray, friend of the podcast, talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago um, about the the kind of price tag that the Brewers are putting up. And I mean, that that's something where, you know, you it, it's just a matter of finding someone willing to pay the price. There are plenty of suitors. There, there are plenty of teams that, that would be interested in him and they got plenty of calls on him. But it's just a matter of, hey, here's the like. You know, guys are coming up with the money to to buy a Toyota Camry, and it's like we're selling a Maserati. Like, you, you can't buy a Maserati with the money for a Toyota Camry. Right, and that's why it's going to have to be just the perfect deal for Hater to actually get shipped away. It's got to be something that very much works out in the 
uh, brewer's favor. And it may not seem like that's such a great idea when you have, oh, let's say, uh, Brewers-Yankees trades being pitched online. The other fan base sure never thinks that, why would we give up all these players for just yes, Zach Hader? Yes, I, I know from experience on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but look what you're getting. You don't you don't get, I mean, just dominant relievers like that uh, every day as it is, let alone one that's left-handed. So, yes, yeah. they do command a high price tag for a reason. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of deals Stearns ends up getting. Because he's no doubt going to get calls, um, but the question, you know, of if he's going to be, you know, making calls out to begin with, or if um, any team's going to pitch anything close enough to to get his interest, um, that that's going to remain to be seen. Um, but I also want to circle back to some that that we talked about earlier with uh, the contract extensions, and you know, Brandon Woodruff, you know, is he going to be interested? in a possible contract extension because, you know, he could bet on himself, take a little bit longer um, and hold out for a bit more money. Um, and, and the same thing could, could go with Burns. I mean, Corbin Burns is, is another guy that I, that I put as an extension candidate. Uh, Burns is not eligible for arbitration yet. He still has four years of control, but he's not going to be arbitration eligible until next year based on service time. So it'd be at least a five-year deal for either of them to, to buy out one year of free agency to make it worthwhile um, for, for the team to do. Um, I think I still think Woodruff is the most likely one that they would approach with an extension at, at this time. But, you know, if they're going to lock up any of their young players, these two young pitchers really should be the guys that, that they're looking at. Yeah, I agree. Um, w- with Burns, they they may delay it a year just to keep that payroll low a little bit, just a little bit longer with him. Um, but I think extending him, I mean, you've got now two out of three very solid years of track record with him with the one, you know, blip on the radar in 2019. Um, I have to hope at this point that he's past that and now is going to be his solid self going forward. Um, the Brewers could wait one more year to you know, make sure they don't have to cross their fingers on that. Um, right. But I think more because of the payroll, they may just delay that. But I think he's absolutely a future candidate for an extension. Then you also obviously had um, Keston Hira in there Well, yeah, right. as well. Yeah, he had a down year last year, obviously still led the team in homers. So obviously he's still got um, that potential in there. Um, part of that may have to do with... Um, what happens next year with the designated hitter? So if the designated hitter comes back and he has a down year defensively again and they decide to move him maybe full-time to that position, well, then what are you paying him as? Are you paying him as just a designated hitter or a second baseman? So, you know, I think that plays into that possibly a little bit as well and maybe is a reason why they wait on him too. Yeah, I don't think that... Um, there. I mean, I don't think the Rizzo are going to be able to lock up all three right, right now. Um, they might be able to lock up one of them um, th- this offseason. Um, but yeah, Woodruff would probably be the first guy that they shoot for just because he's reaching arbitration right now. But yeah, I mean, you could have Burns for next year at 600000 um, re-up him for that. And 
you know, if they try to sign him to extension, even if they backload it, I mean, they're probably giving him a million dollars in, in 2021. So that that's another $400,000 raise um, that, that they're giving out. Uh, so, yeah, I think Woodruff is probably the most likely, but over the next two, three years, I mean, those are the, the three guys to really look at for contract extensions because they're really the core uh, that, that the Brewers got to look at to keep competitive in the years to come. And just think how nice it would be to have your main pitcher, your ace, your highest paid pitcher be a homegrown guy for the first time yeah. in how long? I mean, you've had your ace be, you know, Julius Chassin that you brought in. You've had it be um, Garza or Loesch in the past. You bet it yeah. be whomever. I, I mean, since what? Gallardo? Yeah, 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 since Gallardo. Gallardo was the last homegrown um, frontline guy that, that they really had. Yeah, that's and again, that just goes back, like you were saying before, to the Brewers' now ability to be able to develop that pitching. It's something that's really going to help the Brewers in the long run as long as they can keep those, you know, developmental pieces in place in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's certainly going to be something to look forward to. Um, and even if they do any extensions, those are probably going to be done in spring training. Um, they're probably not going to, you know, try and jump on any of those in October, November here. Um, they might lay the groundwork and, and start some talks for them. But, you know, kind of similar to the Yelich deal and the Peralta deal last year, they're not going to get the extensions actually done uh, until around like spring training when everyone's back and they can kind of continue talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that will do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank Dario Melendez, host of Brewers Live and co-host of the crossover on 97.3 The Game, uh, for joining us on this week's episode of the pod. Um, we'll be back again next week. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about. Off-season just getting underway. The, the World Series underway right now. And... You know, just going to be a lot of things happening over the next couple of weeks um, in baseball and really just kind of, you know, the world in general. Um, So, yeah, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Cold Brew podcast uh, wherever you listen to them, whether you're you're, uh, on Anchor, you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you're at. um, Be sure to follow and subscribe. New episodes uh, every single week we record normally on uh, Wednesday nights. So. Uh, yeah, be sure to look out for that new one either Wednesday night or, or Thursday morning. So uh, we'll be back next week for Dario Melendez and for my co-host here, Matt Carroll. We will see you next time on the Cold Brew Podcast.